0: Many individuals and groups throughout history have used the Bible to justify the suppression, exploitation, and marginalization of various individuals and groups. Today, right wing evangelicals are continuing in this tradition, promoting white supremacy, white power, and white privilege. Welcome to the Empowerment Zone with Ramona Houston where we zone in on black and brown relations and our journey to empowering our communities. Today I have an absolutely engaging conversation with best-selling author and biblical scholar, Dr. Aubrey Hendricks. We discuss his most recent book, Christians Against Christianity, how right-wing evangelicals are destroying our nation and our faith. If you are interested in learning more about biblical texts and exploring how right-wing evangelicals have misinterpreted and misused these texts to secure power, then you will definitely be enlightened by my conversation with Dr. Hendricks. For more information about Dr. O'Berry Hendricks and how to purchase this timely book, make sure you see the show notes. As always, please subscribe to the Empowerment Zone podcast and give us a rating on Apple Podcast. Your support will ensure that we continue our journey in empowerment and impact. Today, we have a special treat on the Empowerment Zone. We have one of America's great biblical scholars with us today, Dr. Aubrey. Hendricks, Jr. He is author of Christians Against Christianity, How white Ring Evangelicals Are Destroying Our Nation and Our Faith. And what a timely topic to discuss these days, considering all that is going on in our country. So welcome, Dr. Hendricks, to the Empowerment Zone.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Good to be here with you.
0: I'm really excited about featuring your book. Uh, I love reading it, and it's so, so much to learn from it. You know, there are so many discussions going on now, especially with with us being in the political season, and we're seeing the influence of uh, right-wing evangelicals and um, the, the type of to say it bluntly, vitriol that they are spreading in our country. I really um, think this is a good book to have at this moment Mm. and to really look at that history to understand that um, this movement didn't just evolve out of nowhere and that it didn't just come to us, that there's a long history uh, of the development of this movement, but also really to... The other reason I really like it is it, it, it gives us a better understanding of our own faith and how we use our faith to either make the world better or make it worse.
1: Mm-hmm. And so
0: um I'm I'm glad to have you to, today and thank you so much for accepting my invitation.
1: Yeah, I appreciate the invitation very much. Been looking forward to this.
0: So, um before we get started on the book, can you tell me and our audience a little bit about yourself and your background and how you even got to studying um you know religion mm-hmm. and theology
1: it's a It's a long uh <laughs> it was a cute <secure laughs> as well. Um, I was born in Farmville, Virginia where, uh, in Prince Edward County where they closed the schools rather than desegregate them. So in a way you can say I was born in struggle and uh, family moved north to Newark um, and then later to East Orange. But uh, I joined, uh, in my youth, I joined the black nationalist movement uh, under Mary Baraka in Newark. And I spent my formative years um, as a black nationalist street soldier Um and of course uh, we wanted nothing to do with the church before the church was counter-revolutionary, even though I was raised in the Baptist church from a very devout family. Um you know uh, in the movement, uh I I I rejected it. Um it's a long story, but somehow I ended up on Wall Street. No, uh,
0: (laughs) from the from the movement to Wall Street, come on.
1: (laughs) Well, in a nutshell, you know, I was I was raised in my generation, I was raised uh to be um, a credit to the race, and my parents had inculcated in me from the beginning that I'd be a white collar uh, professional, and uh, I mean they really had their hopes on that. Um, uh, and uh, you know, I didn't. Want, they wanted me to be a doctor or a lawyer. Well, the doctor was out of out of, uh, out, of out of it because I, you know, I wasn't good in science, and I I, I just wasn't that uh, serious a student, and. Uh, you know, law school was just—you know—just didn't. It just seemed too many worries for me. So, um, Wall Street was wide open <laughs> in those days. Very different than you know. You could get away with a lot. And I was—we're talking about the mid '70s—and you know, I saw a chance to make some money and have some fun and all that. Um, and the reason I left the nationalist movement—you know, there are reasons for it. I'm not going to go into it. But let's just say there are some 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 disappointments. Mm-hmm. That's what pushed me over the line. Mm-hmm. Um, I did that for oh, God, almost a decade, I guess eight, eight years. I realized, uh, you know, I mean, it was just uh, Wall Street does terrible things to you, you know, um, mm-hmm. you know spiritually. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I was 33, my father died and I was in the pulpit uh, giving remarks at his funeral. And um, I looked out over the people and something said to me, this is your site of struggle. Mm-hmm just site of service and uh so i came back to the church kicking and screaming Mm. but uh you know i I hate to say it but my my uh my mantra at the time was well we can't leave the church we can't abandon our people to the preachers Mm. um, (laughs) so i uh you know i mean i i I, so i mean we wait in the black church if you if you have a calling way we interpret it as you know it says you got a call to preach you know, we don't think about any other kind of call We, yep. you know, yep. in the legal realm or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh man, <laughs> I do not want to be no bone. The way that yeah, yeah, and I'm, just, you know, I'm like, Lord, and I was kicking the and, and I was, and so um, you know, I ran into a buddy of mine in the library one day, and and uh, his brother had a pile of uh, books a, a, a foot high. I'm looking at him. They're all on the Bible and theology and stuff. So what are you doing, man? Because I knew him from, you know, from the set, you know, on the jazz set. And he said, "Well, you know, man, I'm, I'm getting ready to go to Princeton Theological Seminary." I said, "Oh, brother, um, really?" I said, "Man, that's interesting because you know it. it and the nationalist movement had given us real deep um, intellectual concerns. That's yep. one thing I was yep. saying. Yeah. I mean, yep. 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 Baraka had was reading the Tao Te King. You know, of course, from mm-hmm. known mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you know, and, and African intellectuals and all that. So I said, well, man, you know, Princeton, Princeton Seminary sounds interesting, I, you know, I'm saying, I know that I got, I'm, I feel this calling in this, in the church. So I said, well, maybe I can go if you're going. So I applied and um, uh, brother Michael Livingston was the uh, missions officer, he let me in. I was like a month, you know, uh, it was a month over the deadline, but he let me in anyway. So I'm in seminary and I'm like still angry i'm saying man, i do not want to be a preacher but then a, a, a black professor a young black woman clarice martin said you know you have gifts of scholarship you should do a doctorate mm-hmm. like, do a doctorate." i didn't i barely graduated from high school she said no you have gifts of scholarship she mm-hmm. argued and fought with me and and uh so i walked well, some buddies of mine michael dyson uh, A. G. miller were at uh, princeton uh university religion department you know they told me to come over and uh interviewed, I'm like, man, I cannot get into Princeton University, you know, I'm not, you know, I got more street in me than academia. But um, the guy ended up being my uh, advisor, uh, had been a freedom writer and had done time in mm. Parchment white man, a wonderful man named John Gager, mm. and bottom line is, I said, well, damn, I guess I'm supposed to be here. I had no idea it was the hardest department to get into, the business department to get into the <laughs> You know, I know I want to try. So that's it in a nutshell. So you know, the way was open for me, and so I have a lot of responsibility, you know, to uh, to do what I'm what I what I feel you know deeply called to do, which is to try to raise our people's consciousness against the low level consciousness that uh, average church uh, and and churchianity itself gives them
0: incredible story it's amazing how all of us have our own personal evolutions to get us where we're supposed to be you could not be the scholar you are without having been in the nationalist movement right and uh, you know to to, to it, it help me
1: understand what discipleship is you know mm-hmm. what it means to be to be a mm-hmm. freedom fighter which is how i understood jesus and his mm-hmm. movement mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: so true so tell me you know in many of your writings, uh, you finally came to this book. So I'm really curious, why did you choose this particular topic at the moment you did?
1: Um, Well, I was approached by an editor uh, through my agent to um, write a book um, about evangelicalism itself, conservative evangelicalism, you know, not not political, just a book that explained what it is. And, you know, I tried to write, I said, I'm not interested in this, because I realized I was writing a book. I was writing this book. And so, <laughs> um, I, and so it's not like I chose to write this book. It sort of chose me. And, you know, when I started really looking at this subject, I was mad as hell. And so, <laughs> um, you know, and then I looked at the issues that Right-wing evangelicals are, are um, you know, using to uh, to fool so many people, and uh, and so I get decided as a biblical scholar, because there are few of us, you know, really dealing with politics, and certainly very few. You know, man, let me go subject by subject to show how wrong these rascals are, and uh, um, on the terrain of their own discourse, which is the Bible. Theologians don't really deal with the Bible as much, you know, they deal with. Faith and they deal with philosophy, with, with God thrown in. I'm sorry, but that's the way I see it. But um, biblical scholars get right to the, to the heart of the history and the meaning of the text itself. And that's something that we need to do more of to discredit, you know, they're, they're very backward and, and, and often vile readings of the Bible that they use to oppress and, and, and to fool and and demonize people
0: so let's get into uh to the various topics of the book like you said you go topic to topic and we're talking about christians against christianity how white right wing evangelicals are destroying our nation and our faith said it right so so um <laughs> tell us about the book like what what did what are the topics that you explore and why why
1: um well, the topics I explore uh, are, I think, uh, are the main ones that are used uh, that are weaponized by right wing evangelicals. When we talk about right wing evangelicals, we're talking about white evangelicals, and you know the few Negroes that uh, that, that struggle along behind them. You know, like um, oh, say, boss, hey um, boss, your ice is colder. You know that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, for one thing I deal with is uh, abortion. You know right-wing evangelicals that may seem like uh that is abortion is the most important issue in christendom and almost like it's a litmus test and i wanted to show first that um the bible does not deal with voluntary uh, abortion at all the only place it has you know humans involved in abortion is uh in 21st chapter of exodus verse 23 which talks about when a man when men are fighting and they uh they injure a pregnant woman if uh, harms her fetus or kills her fetus uh, and, and harms her. Well, um, the, the fine for harming a woman is an eye for an eye, but for harming or killing the fetus is a financial fine. So the only place in the Bible that deals with, uh, with, with abortion on a human level is uh, um, it makes a distinction between Walking, talking humanity, and a and a fetus, which means that like killing a fetus. I'm not suggesting anyone should do that. I'm not making a value judgment, but it's not murder, according to the Bible. Uh, it's so what they're say, what they're saying what they, they they're saying is just wrong. It's not a biblical issue at all. Now people can have their own and should have their own opinions. Divorce, I mean, uh, abortion is is a very, very, uh, very painful area, but biblically. They don't have a leg to stand on. The and I, I must say this: the only place that there is voluntary abortion is in Numbers five in the Bible, in which says God will God will abort a woman's fetus as punishment if she is uh, if she's a married woman who's found to be pregnant by someone other than her husband. So the only voluntary abortion we have in the Bible is a divine. Abortion, which one could, if you take it all away, Al could say, "Well, God is saying, well, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not wrong, because I'm, I'm doing it, but I'm not going there." So anyway, that's and so I, I deal with that. I deal with immigration because of uh, of how horribly they treat immigrants, and when the Bible really said, it, one of the. Uh, the two or three most important responsibilities in the Bible is, is to take care of immigrants and widows and orphans. And it says it throughout the Bible. It even says that when immigrants coming, we're supposed to, uh, we have a responsibility to take care of them until they get on their feet. It also says that um, they don't have to assimilate, just respect the laws. It also says that one of the reasons that tithing was prescribed was to help take care of immigrants. So, I, you know, I deal with that. I deal with the, um, <clears throat> with the foolishness about God-given right to, to use guns, and I just show how the history of that is, just, and that's just bogus. You know, um, how um, e- evangelicals are uh, anti-working man and woman because they're anti-union. I mean, on down the line, just to show how they are against everything that the Bible uh, is, is for or does not mention at all.
0: Yeah, and it's, it is I really like the way you deconstructed all of those arguments. You know, the one about uh being against the LGBTQ community and being against homosexuality. I
1: Yeah, that was because, a real, that was a real important one to me, real serious one for me. Yeah, that, that uh,
0: yeah, because like, you know, one of the things I was always taught growing up is the whole issue of Sodom and Gomorrah. And that's why it was destroyed. And you broke that down and some other passage, biblical passages that try to support that. And I, it came up in a conversation, Sodom and Gomorrah came up in a conversation um, this weekend, weekend with me and some girlfriends. And I was like, I wish I had the book so I could have uh, refuted so because I couldn't remember how all the different arguments. But it's amazing how you take each one of these issues that are considered uh, part of really a part of the right wing evangelical movement: abortion, immigration, anti-working, uh, uh, mm-hmm. uh, against the LGBTQI plus community, and how you mm-hmm. break each one of them down.
1: Yeah, you know, and also really important. I think it's like, I tried uh, this. Uh, this guy John McArthur, that supposed to be such a big-time right-wing scholar. You know, he put out a letter that uh, that uh, uh, social justice is anti-Biblical, right? Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and ten thousand pastors, well, more than that, ten mm-hmm. Plus, mm-hmm. 000, um, eleven, twelve thousand, co-signed it. And I just want I wanted to show that just how wrong-headed that is. Folks don't understand. That social justice. And as you know, I spent a lot of time explaining yep. that and breaking it down through the, through, um, uh, uh, through translating the language that's supposed to be Hebrew, the way it's supposed to be translated, social justice is the most foundational ethic of the whole biblical biblical tradition. It is the most important ethic. And you couple that with love your neighbor as yourself, which Jesus said is one of the two most important commandments of them all. And what do you get? You get social justice working for social justice, working for the rights and freedom and the, and access to the resources and goods for, um, for neighbors that we want for ourselves is our basic responsibility. And that is what I wanted to show is that right-wing evangelicals, don't, they don't get it. That the overarching ethic, if you will, of the Bible is responsibility for others in community. They're talking about you know liberty and freedom and that's that's fine but that's not it in the bible because it's not freedom from responsibility it's freedom um freedom um for responsibility i mean um, responsibility not freedom from responsibility so i I looked to show all of those kinds of things in the book yeah that was one of my favorite go ahead Let let me let me just say this you know I've got lot pushed back in articles and I've gotten you know horrible emails and stuff like that, but no one has engaged me on substance. Mm-hmm. No one has contradicted me on substance yet on any of my books why because i do my i do my research and my homework
0: i mean to me that's bible basic social responsibility i mean the, it, we, it's supposed to <sighs> provide people with a moral compass of how to treat others that that's the way i mean in its basic basic stance that's what what the what the bible teaches us but you know religion is a very challenging conversation for people to have especially with people who disagree uh with with with, and so how do we promote conversations in our communities so that Mm -hmm. We can argue against this event right-wing evangelical movement and what is and its destruction on various communities inside communities in our American community what how do you have those difficult conversations
1: yeah uh, in order
0: to try to open people's minds if you will
1: yeah but first, let me say uh, just your, uh, your your previous uh, statement. You know, the, the fact that we have um, responsibility for each other is 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 so basic. I mean, it's, now it's basic in many communities. You know, um, particularly in, in older black communities, because we grew up that way. But there, um, there's a, a real, as you know, real libertarian strain in America and in the right wing. Um, in, in which they spill a lot of ink, written many books and uh, come up with all kinds of principles and theories to say that that are libertarian that say that they don't have, folk do not have responsibility for others. And um, like uh, Robert Nozick, uh, what's his book, Anarchy and something else, I forgot the title. Um, but, um, and so that, so, so I had to take time to, ad- to address them on that level too, you know, because other than that, it could have just said, duh, it's basic, you know, we have to look out. For it. But that's the kind of legwork that I had to do. See, I wrote this book as a resource for folk to use to argue against um, the, the fallacious uh, assumptions and arguments of uh, the right wing. Um, in terms of how do we engender conversation, um, and you're talking about between both sides, right? Um, yes. I think if we're talking in the faith community, one thing we have to do is first basics, like chapter and verse, mm. you know, we we have to go to uh, the text that we all, that we claim, you know, to, to hold in common. And um, an example is love your neighbor as your, yourself, you know, uh, um, that is, uh, uh, has such profound implications socially, economically, uh, politically. Um, I have to take time to unpack it and, and engage each other on the basis of you know of of the very on the basis of the basics, right? Um, and and so um, uh, it has to be an ethical concept um, conversation based on 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 ethics. I think rather than doctrines mm. because, you know, that's all kinds of other stuff. So that's why, you know, rather than John three sixteen, 16, um, for God so loved the world and gave his only begotten son, that, that's not the core of, of the gospel. Just love your neighbor as yourself is the core of the gospel. Egalitarian, um, egalitarian political freedom, egalitarian justice is what that stands for. Um, by the way, justice, as I out in the book is the most often used term in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 and that, um, reflects how basic it is to the, you know, to the biblical witness. Um, but also, as you know, in the, in the book, I offer, um, what, what Jesus said in Matthew 25, 31 through 46, that, uh, um, about, um, which is really the primary mode of judgment that Jesus gives us that god will use uh, will uh use for us that we should use for ourselves and others by extension and that's the 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 um the passage where he says um you know as you have not done it for the least of these you have not done it for me mm-hmm. and uh, for those who aren't familiar with the passage matthew 21 25. Verses thirty-one through forty-six. When you go back and read it, you notice that what Jesus says doesn't, doesn't say here is that God will judge us by who we who we love, who we marry, um, you know, who, who we're intimate with. He doesn't talk about what we believe. It all comes down to how we act. Mm-hmm. How we if you're trying to be just toward other people, then you go to eternal life. The passage says if you don't do that then you go to hell that's what the passage says so i'm saying that that if we go back to the very to the basics and and um that we claim to hold in common um and on an ethical level that gives us more of of, of a basis for for discussion and conversation and dialogue in in my opinion
0: so just speaking about ethics do you think there are ethics in the right-wing evangelical movement or are their ethics just different?
1: Yeah, their ethics are different. Um, their ethics, they, what they value is, is different. Look, the right-wing evangelical movement, have you ever heard any of them use the word love mm. or justice at all? They don't. Mm. Those are not significant to them. What they also don't realize is that Jesus said almost nothing about what folks should believe. It's always about how we should live and treat each other. Well, they're always talking about, you know, doctrines and stuff like that, that Jesus didn't even write. Um, so I say we have to get back to basics. And uh, as far as their ethics, um, justice is the, the most often used eth- um, ethic in the Bible. Well, they don't use justice. So in, in that way, they're anti, they're, 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 uh, they're not biblical. In fact, they're anti-biblical because the kinds of policies they talk about are, uh, are unjust. It's hmm. the way they treat um, immigrants and gay people, right? So they have ethics, but they're, they're, not, they're not biblical ethics. They're, 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 they're screwed up and, and they're anti-Christian at their core. And that's what's so sad because so, so many of them think that they're doing the right thing. Not all of them are ugly and, and, and evil. And uh, and so you know we have a responsibility to show them you know the, the the difference. That's what a responsibility I have as a biblical scholar. So,
0: what do you think people can learn by reading your book?
1: Well, I think they can learn a couple things. One thing they learn real quickly is that um, uh, right wing evangelical movement is, is is and I don't say this lightly is essentially an anti Christian movement. Because um, it militates against the very basics of the gospel. Militates against love. Militates against having responsibility for others. Militates against uh, against justice. It's um, um, it, it's it it doesn't talk about life as much as it talks uh, uh, about death uh, and war and all that. It's. Um, it's not concerned about the least of these, which is human beings working, walking the earth. They're, they're obsessed, you know, with with zygotes and fetuses. And when, but uh, when that fetus is born, becomes a human being, if it lives till term, they got no use for it. So I mean, they learned that. They also learn what the what Christianity, what biblical Christianity really is. I think you know, I take time to to, to show that um, in in every every regard. Um, uh, if someone else wrote this book, I'd say the same thing that I'm going to say now, which is what, my, what the people have endorsed the book I said that it is an important book in that it fills a gap um, in the knowledge of everyday people, of what Christianity is, how we should practice it, and why we must resist this evil scourge of right-wing evangelicalism that is tearing this country apart.
0: So uh, as a scholar, you know, when we choose what we want to write, we have a purpose behind that choice, right? And right. so in writing this book, Christians Against Christianity, what do you hope to accomplish as a scholar?
1: Um, I I, I hope to uh, take one more step in fulfilling my responsibility uh, to uh, humanity and to... Um, Black Christian believers, in particular, um, but to all in, in general, um, you know, my main can, my main responsibility is to be a, a, a struggler for freedom and justice in society. Um, not, my you know, not to build the church up, not to tear the church down. It's beyond that, um, and none of us should should have our primary responsibility to any religious institution at all. It should be to the welfare of the people. Jesus didn't stand up for any institution, just, just the opposite, you know, mm-hmm. the institution turned against him, because he wasn't, because as, as, as my grandmother said, because he wasn't studying. Mm-hmm. So um, that's where I am. That's what I'd like people to get out of the book. And that's why what I what I hope to get out of having written it.
0: you are a big advocate for higher education, uh, as I am. And one of the things I always like to do is to provide students strategies for college success. So could you tell us what school or schools did you attend? What your, what were your major or majors and what were your degree or degrees? And then what strategy would you give students to ensure that they're successful in college?
1: Okay. Well, first I'll, 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 I'll say something that, uh, I was fortunate because I graduated in the bottom half of my class messing around, even though I was vice president, student council, and president of the Black Student Union. But I was messing around. Um, I got into college on a humble. I'm not proud of it at all. Um, Ended up flunking out, Um, still acting a fool. Uh, I eventually went back, uh, was able to get back into Rutgers because I knew someone there. Um, And uh, my first child been born, so I worked like and from then I became a serious student. So first thing is, students, you know, you gotta realize this is serious business, this is your life. And uh, I don't know anyone who's as lucky, who was as lucky as I, I've been. Um, though I'm sure there's some, but anyway, I went back, um, to graduate from Rutgers, uh, I was very fortunate, and then I went to Wall Street. Um, I did some time in, uh, at the Rutgers Graduate School of Business, uh, doing an MBA, I, I, I did, not, did not finish. Years later, um, though, I went to Princeton Theological Seminary, um, and uh, I excelled there. Why did I excel there? Because I was serious about it. And I'll tell you what you students should do. It's important. You don't have to study all the time, but be disciplined. I would get up, and I'd study from 6 o'clock in the morning till about 8 or 9, And then maybe a couple hours later in the day, but that was it. And I'm talking that I was taking different languages, Greek, Hebrew, you know, and all that and taking all my other other courses. Um, Then I graduated from Princeton Theological Seminary with honors and I was accepted into the religion department at the Princeton University. Um, And what I learned there is that, uh, I mean, I thought, you know, the PhD program at an Ivy League institution, you had to be a genius. Well, no, you don't. (laughs) And uh, what you have to do is work hard and be clear on what it is that your interest is in and where your gifts are, right? And uh, and, and those two have to go together. So I guess what I would say early on, spend some time, on, and let me say this, when I was 21, I asked myself, if I could do anything in life, what would that be? And I, put, I came up with, I'd like to be a, a uh, professor of religion and philosophy and i said oh no <laughs> you, you knew it 21. at 21 you knew at 21 yeah, said, <laughs> you have to have at least a master's degree and i said <laughs> no, I, I haven't even finished college i, I barely mm-hmm. finished high school mm-hmm. no no take that time it might take you some some weeks and months, but take time to get clear on what really interests you, what you'd really like to do, no matter what it is. Even if it is to go to trade school and be a master mechanic, be clear on what you like, what, what you like to do and what you have an aptitude for, and then follow that and be diligent about it and take it seriously, right? Don't be um, uh, don't be cowed by it, don't be intimidated. Just work hard every day diligently and you will succeed. That's all there is to it. And then when you got it, no one can take it away from you. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm got, I got to tell you, I'm, I was in an airport once and I was president of a, of a college when I was in my early forties and I had no gray hair or anything. I'm you know, so, this this older white man and we were in an airport and he said something about a young fella. Well, I, I could say to him, no, I'm not just a young fellow. I'm an Ivy League PhD. And president of a, of a college, you know, you step back, when, <laughs> and they can't take it away from from you, whatever it is. I'm a master mechanic, man. I'm not just some young fella, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know. I'm, you know, I'm an electrician who makes more than a whole lot of white collar uh, executives. I'm not just some young person, you know. Take pride in it and work hard at it, and you'll be successful. Love
0: that advice, uh, Doctor Hendricks. Uh, mm-hmm know that college is serious business, so take it seriously. Yeah. Be disciplined in your study, work mm-hmm. hard, take mm-hmm. time to get clear, mm-hmm. and then be diligent and serious once you decide what you want to do and be. Thank you so much for that. those mm-hmm. strategies. I'm sure it's gonna help some students. Thank you, and students.
1: Thank you for this time. I've enjoyed it and I really appreciate all that you're doing.
0: Thank you. A special thank you to the incredible team of the Empowerment Zone. Terry Gully, theme song, NADWORKS, digital support, and of course, our featured guest.